0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcato Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, and we've been doing it for a long time. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will
1: Brueggemann, for 350 episodes Wilder. almost every Monday for around seven years, Carl and I have Approaching the seven-year yeah, mark. coming to you, sharing the what we think is the very best in video game music, and we've been having a wonderful time. I'm doing it. Uh, Usually kind of at these season finales, we like to do something special or or different. Mm -hmm. And today is no exception. Uh, Typically, for those of you who've been with us for a number of years, on our episode 100, episode 200, 300, we kind of have sort of a retrospective of sorts, and we just kind of have a more chill, laid-back episode where we reflect. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to be doing a little bit of reflection, but we actually have a lot of cool ideas that will hopefully set today's episodes Apart from that. Uh, we're, we're going to be taking a look at the history of collaboration between Carl and myself. We're yeah. going to play some examples of early music that we wrote and kind of focus on the way that we've been working together, not just in music, but in projects ever since we were little kids. Absolutely. Uh, we have a video game debate Uh, between Carl and myself that we're going to tackle a little bit later. Yeah,
0: we'll close our episode with that today.
1: I thought that would be a fun idea. Uh, And we're also going to be doing uh, an extended version of the Name That tune game. And this time, both Carl and myself have prepared some selections
0: for each other. We also have some listener questions that we're going to be answering. And we have a handful of our favorite VGM that we're going to be playing and gabbing about. So it should be a really, really good time. Let's just dive right in. Um, what you guys are hearing playing in is actually a live band remix, uh, Super Mercado Brothers band. This is obviously Donut Lifts from Yoshi's Island. Um, so I thought the first thing that we could do is play one of our favorite pieces of video game music. And the reason why I chose this, this is from UN Squadron, because this particular track was actually composed by Takashi Tateishi, Mm -hmm. who is going to be at MAGFest. And if we play our cards right... It would be absolutely incredible if we would if we would be able to line up an interview uh, with Tateshi San. So let's start things off playing a feel good track for us. This is Forest Fortress from UN Squadron. Let's check it out. so mega man, isn't it yeah. <laughs> this is forest fortress from un squadron the super nintendo version originally composed for the arcade uh this is the one contribution that takashi uh did for the score they kind of traded a little bit Minami matsume added one little part of Airman for mega man 2 and then to kind of repay her uh san added this little uh track for area 88 was the original it's kind of funny Uh,
1: The interesting thing about this is with Mega Man 2, he was following in her footsteps and I Mm -hmm. think he brought a lot of new musical energies to the table with Mega Man 2. But I think he was Mm -hmm. also uh, kind of taking what Matsumai-san had established and building off of it. I mean, uh, and kind of the symbolic gesture that he did is the introduction of Mega Man 2, the very famous introduction with that cutscene rising the, the side of that building, Yeah, he he utilizes and kind of re-implements Matsumai's ending theme from the original Mega Man and sieges it into his material, the sort of title screen Mega yeah. Man 2 music. And so what's cool about something like this is, Carl, you were noting just how much it sounds like like classic mega man and that's uh Tateishi sound but the other thing that yeah. i think is cool is in terms of um uh, of the style i guess of this piece is again he's taking a cue from manami matsumai's mm-hmm. area 88 un squadron that driving sound. rocking yeah bass. that kind of the, the driving bass with almost that pedal point where you have these like kind of dorian-esque chords but they're moving around this pedal base and that's a it's a sound that's not you know necessarily unique to UN squadron but right. this is something where honestly this sounds like it could have been composed by the
0: same person who did frontline base or any of the other classic uh, Area Eight tunes. Well, it's kind of confusing with the crediting because I think Mary Yamaguchi was the one who actually did the right. SNES implementation, and so when you look at the SPC, she's the only one credited. So right. I think originally I was, oh, she composed this, but she, I think there might be some little incidental original stuff right. that she did. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, most I think of there's it's some just converting
1: between uh, the SNES version and the arcade version. There's a couple yeah. new tracks
0: that. We're yeah, there's this. some arcade exclusive tracks, and maybe vice versa. Really fun. Well, now I, now I think it's time to go into our kind of history of collaboration, a retrospective on the Super Mercado Brothers. We kind of prepared a few pieces of music that we can share uh, that will kind of launch uh, an interesting conversation. So let's just start from the beginning. Well, do you remember the very first time that we ever collaborated on anything creatively? I think I can remember what it was. The
1: thing is, is I was always around when you were working on things. i I, I mm-hmm. remember being very young and you working on like flip book animation. Uh, I was obsessed with flipbooks. But I think even before you started writing music or recording music, the the earliest memories that I have of us collaborating is we actually used to make these uh, short, films kind of these star wars lightsaber battles movies yeah and we would choreograph and i was like you know nine
0: maybe eight or nine years old so picture this uh picture me and will carl's much older much older than will out in our front yard for hours in the summer choreographing these lightsaber fights with yeah. wooden dowels yeah. and once we got it uh, perfect we would film these terrible movies and add the lightsaber effects and for but whatever reason the lightsaber reason,
1: effects look good you you there was that um, Ryan versus Dorkman was a popular kind of web video mm-hmm. that did the same thing and you found like out a how tutorial. to do, yeah the animation for the effects. So the sound effects and the lightsaber
0: effects were quite good, especially for the fact that we were just using like camcorders and right. stuff. So that was the first time that we really got excited collaborating together. And then we did go on to make multiple. Yeah, we've done that over the span of years. I mean, the first one we did was
1: pretty crude, just in our backyard. The second one we did, we had Marty's friend Hugh Mm -hmm. and Meng helping out with shooting. It looked a lot nicer. It's still very amateurish. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you spent. Months and months working on the rotoscoping and the yep. editing and the, the sound effects and Well, that was just something we
0: were really into and the the that's an interesting example because it combined everything it combined music We did an original score for it. It combined, you know Shooting and effects and editing and, and a lot of the stuff that we that we still do to this day and We so. would always rope in my friends.
1: Yeah, as part, of, which is so <laughs> weird why we didn't use your friends you were in high school you yeah. know, we would think we, you would want more
0: adult-looking people, right? But I think it, it's like this. It was, it was to balance it out because it was like it would be weird if there was just randomly one kid. So it was like it's almost like hobbits or something, like yeah. this other type of human that oh, are just God, tiny. It's so funny. It's but so they, hilarious. They were, they were terrible at fighting. You were actually really good. Well, because they didn't get to practice. Well, I pushed you really hard <laughs> yeah, because I, were, I didn't it was really, like whiplash. Yeah, I didn't really accept you not being at the certain level. So and also, you know, I, I do think you you wanted to be able to, yeah, to I love Star stuff. Wars yeah <laughs> um so I remember it was really impressive like we'd have family and friends over and we would just show them like a couple minutes of this fight and there's this little willy who's just like killing it it's you funny know?
1: though I have these like memories of like certain patterns that we did with the fights that yeah. now the when you would put the sound effects in mm-hmm. there's certain like almost music-like patterns For of sure. The, the choreography and everything. And we actually did another one years and years later. This right. was probably a year before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. We made our final one, and this is when we're both more or less yep. looking like adults. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did this film called primordium that was just that one
0: is i guess the least embarrassing but still surprisingly embarrassing now i mean it it, really yeah it's just maybe it's because we look young um i don't really know what the point of that one was like the fighting for us it
1: was fun to kind of
0: revisit yeah kind of choreographing those fights and right if um, I had to show someone one of those I guess I would show them that one but uh yeah we yeah. should
1: we should put that up that those are those are fun to make
0: So that was kind of the first thing we collaborated on musically it it took kind of a while for you and me to collaborate me and Marty have a longer history of collaborating when I was little I started to play the drums at age 8 got my drums set at age 9 and there's a great story where um, Marty was in this band in high school this rock band and their drummer had to be out of town for this battle of the bands show at their high school, which is actually the same high school that all three of the Mercado bros went to. Um, so me at age nine, I actually got to sit in on this high school battle, of the bands show with Marty's band. And so that was a a really awesome memory I have. And so Mm -hmm. I have a lot of memories jamming out with Marty, um, you know, in our bedroom and stuff. Um, but with Will, it took a long time. He was a lot younger. Uh, I did record some music of myself when I was in high school I think it was once I went to college. Well, actually, um, it was... Yeah, I used to sit in and sing with the band that you and Marty had. That's true. We had a Um, band called Underdub, and Will used to... Back when, before his voice dropped, he could sing super high, and we would do like Jackson 5, Michael Jackson covers, and stuff like that. So that's a good point. After that, so I went to college, and I started to really get into more... Recording and composing I would make So much music just sitting in my Dorm room I would have a a very Old school crappy Yamaha keyboard And I would put out albums upon albums Of instrumental music <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't Know why I was doing it but it felt So good and it was so fun to do it And a lot of it is very video gamey Stuff and I think um, I remember giving you like burned CDs Of all of that stuff and I think You used to listen to it like on your CD Player right oh yeah absolutely Uh When I started
1: going to junior high and I would ride on the bus, I didn't have an iPod at first, (laughs) and so I just had like a CD player, like a Walkman, yeah, like a Discman, yeah, um, yeah. And so I would listen to some of this stuff that you would make me. And this is also a time you used to like do this every Christmas. You would give people like an album of of original tunes, like written for them.
0: Yeah. So why don't we do this? So this is still technically pre uh carl and will musical collaboration for the most part so let's do this let's play a track from that era um this is something <laughs> this is an instrumental uh song that i that i created called no response this is back in 2008 so i was still in college way before the Mercado brothers was ever a thing um this was one of the kind of Homemade albums I call this album sharp I don't know why um, And so let's take a listen to maybe where Where my musical headspace was at In 2008 this is a little bit of No response So it's was kind of setting the stage here. 2008, I was composing tons of music in this vein. Instrumental. Um, I don't know. A lot of it does really sound like video game music. Well,
1: here's the thing. this, All of your... The, the ways that I would describe your style, all of that is... In this track, (laughs) first of all, the use of like the minor five chord Mm -hmm. as opposed to like the more classical major five, Uh, your love of kind of like reggae and groove and this sort of melodic. Yeah. bass line that's so this, repetitious. It's and the, very the, interesting. Where the
0: melody and the layers are built on top of the groove. Right, yeah. It's interesting to kind of look back on this. I was 19 in college uh, writing all this crappy sounding music, but just having a lot of fun doing it. Um, and it was interesting. I think at this time we talked a lot about music, and I know you listened to a yeah. lot of the stuff I was doing, and you were starting to kind of write stuff I and come up with was melodies. My earliest... Uh, see I always used to sing around the house
1: all the time um, I was never very good at piano as a kid mm-hmm. uh, and so some of my earliest compositions there's not really like a recorded record yeah that's of. true uh, is this stuff the first, that I would sing is this the first recorded oh no no. Record? Um, so the the difficult thing though is we've mentioned is Carl and I have quite a considerable age gap so when I'm going back to pre-marcado stuff, I can't play like a, yeah. you know, really produced thing even though I know this is primitive, but Carl was in college. Where mm-hmm. my earliest stuff that I would really have was probably like freshman year of high school. Well, you so know, it's in a different kind of period in time because we started doing the podcast and collaborating when I was only a sophomore in high school. So I, mean, I don't have as much of a lengthy backstory because I'm, you know, 8 years younger well, than Well, not you know. only
0: that, it's more um Desperate than that i mean i have recordings that go back to when i was 15 in this terrible high school band so i have the most embarrassing stuff i can i can think of so i have yeah i I go back a lot longer when it comes to like recording evidence of my musical ambition the
1: some of the first stuff that i ever made recordings for were um, little chiptune video game things. I mean, before I mm-hmm. ever knew how to use a tracker or anything, I would create music using uh, Reaper, like re-synth mm-hmm. stuff and drawing in MIDI and just recording the uh, Yamaha keyboard sounds and everything. We
0: actually have something that does predate the podcast yeah. by about a year and a half. This, yeah, so is...
1: this is a piece of music that I wrote around the time that Marty, our brother... And his now wife, Alvina, got engaged. Yes. Um, And I've mentioned before, you know, Marty was a big influence, and Carl, too, of me as a composer. Um, And I think uh, a lot of times when I was like first starting to write stuff, I was kind of thinking about you guys and stuff. And so uh, this is a little piano piece. This is just like a Sibelius recording that I made years ago. Uh, But yeah, this is a piece of music that I wrote. And I
0: think I played this at their rehearsal dinner. I remember that. So this was written in 2011, uh, over a year before we started the podcast. This is Martin and Elvina. So this is Martin and Alvina. This is uh, one of the one of the only things Will's able to track down uh, pre-Marcado Bros. As well, far yeah, as there's a lot recordings. of things that I that I wrote,
1: and some of them are on old computers. Like if I actually mm-hmm. went upstairs in our parents' house and dug up an old computer, I could find early Reaper recordings right. that I was making of stuff. And there's some choral pieces that I used to make where I would record all the parts with my own voice and stuff.
0: So um. so this is around the time when I started to really be very proud and excited that will hey look at he's turning into this great you know songwriter and musician I we thought about we should collaborate in some way so what we're going to do now we're going to play just a taste of a pretty historical moment for us this is officially the first piece of music we ever collaborated on yeah and I remember exactly where it was it was upstairs in our in the house that both of us grew up in in the same room that we recorded um, episode two of the podcast, right. the first yeah, Show at and the Tell top of the stairs. episode. And this was written and recorded, I think, only a month before we started the podcast. So the one disclaimer that I have to make is uh,
1: the, the... This is embarrassing. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good. Our singing is not great, but I do still really like the song. I just listened to this yesterday. I, I uncovered it, and I remember... I think it still sounds pretty okay, uh, like, uh, in terms of, like, that. the... The ideas, like I like the song.
0: It was a, it was a cool song. I'm incredibly embarrassed about the my the vocals in this one this is rough for me to listen to but we'll do it because i think it it is a very important (laughs) uh, moment it's the first time we collaborated we wrote the song together we recorded it fairly quickly upstairs uh and probably finished it in maybe a couple days
1: yeah and carl here's the thing he gets embarrassed of his old stuff so he won't play it but some of the songs that he used to write and sing on in bands are so good and i know that you don't want to play them because you're embarrassed of the singing yeah but the world needs to hear them because they're great
0: well let's take a, just a little bit of a listen so this to, is a song we wrote together yes this is called throw me away and when we recorded it uh for some reason on the mp3 i put the artist as k and w oh my that's god that's very interesting all that's right funny this is a little bit of throw me away Are, wow, this is very embarrassing. You guys are listening to Throw Me Away, <laughs> uh, which was officially the very first collaboration, musical collaboration, uh, that Will and myself did. It's really nostalgic to go back Dude, and listen I to still, this.
1: I still like this song. It's I think it's a cool
0: song. Well, we performed this like in coffee shops a yeah. lot over in the next few years after this, um, so we, we were a fan of the song... Um, this is me learning how to mix and like use virtual instruments, and yeah, it's yeah. there's a lot of things, a lot of growing pains that this has. But yeah, yeah. a month before we started the podcast that you're, you're listening to this uh, first collaboration here, so it's interesting. Well, that- and it's just it's fun that we have this
1: that we recorded this and have that documented. documented. Yeah. I think it's it's a really cool melody and it's like a nice foreshadowing of there was a period of time when I was in high school, like probably sophomore to senior year, where we were collaborating a lot and I mm-hmm. actually think there was a point in time where we were kind of on the same wavelength with yeah. a lot of things. And I think as I went to college and we were living apart, we've kind of drifted a little bit in terms of like now we'll still collaborate and it's fun, but we don't have that like completing each other's sentences phenomenon that I feel like I used to experience you know,
0: there was like a period of time where we were writing most of our music we were writing was together. So let's speed ahead. So we start the podcast. uh, We have a lot of fun with that. We still collaborate musically and eventually we come up with the idea of making an homage album. And the very first time we did that was Of Cosmic Proportions, which is a Mario Galaxy homage album. Now, we should mention, we're kind of skipping a pretty important uh, period for us, which was when uh, Marty and myself downloaded vopm this is a over a year before we started the podcast in 2011 we found this uh genesis plugin that that emulated that sound i was so excited by that that i made the first sonic-esque album well and And that was officially the first brueggemann brothers like homage album yeah and the interesting
1: thing is i would say our first actual musical collaboration was when uh you were working on sonic-esque volume two because you were Mm -hmm. living at the house and i was there and um this is also 2011 and i remember while you were working on it i would be in the room with you and mm-hmm. there were lots of times where i'd be like you oh, give me an there idea be a part mm-hmm. that went like bah, bah,
0: bah, da, bah, bah, like i remember or, especially know. on coconut hill yeah you gave me some ideas for that
1: talk so about things we started
0: again. the podcast in february of 2012 over a year after that we finally released of cosmic proportions we released it in april of 2013 let's just reminisce and play a little bit of massive meadow galaxy from of cosmic proportions <laughs> so it's interesting to think about this as the first album uh collaborative album uh that we that we worked on together and marty helped us with this he was at at the time he was the one who had hollywood strings um and so he helped us with some of the sequencing uh and then i think there's one piece of music where he recorded saxophone mm-hmm. uh, for, for one of my tracks but and we, this recorded was flute. we recorded very exciting recorded oboe um yeah it was
1: a ambitious project i mm-hmm. still think it sounds good uh in terms of the like if we were doing it now i think we would have higher standards for the sound of the virtual instruments for but sure. in terms of the composition uh i i like all this i um,
0: remember it being incredibly exciting to to listen to the galaxy music and to to try to imagine a world where there's some lost galaxy game that right. we had the privilege of composing and it was it was just such a fun exercise for us um and I yeah, I I just have a lot of nostalgia I, I'm trying to remember
1: why we even did this and why this was the first one but I think that it was like we were so we so loved the Galaxy games and the soundtracks and we'd been doing the podcast for a while yeah. and just really wanted to articulate all the things about it and the thing that was so cool is it took the Nintendo sound but used the orchestra in a way that was very respectable and um, I think something this project really pushed me because I had written yeah. some orchestral music before this this uh, but it, it didn't have this kind of bold confidence that the right. Galaxy stuff did. So I learned a lot about orchestration in kind of studying those pieces and well, when you we were writing It this.
0: seemed like a really natural progression where we had the moniker Super Brothers and we were like, well, you know, we've already collaborated. Let's try to do some sort of video game homage project. So this was the first first official release that's credited to the Super Mercado Brothers. So moving right along, the second homage album we did, which came out later in that same year, 2008. 2013 was Zero G Super Satellite Racing, which was an EP uh, that was, if if you haven't guessed it, um, kind of inspired and modeled after the original F Zero for the Super NES. The funny thing about it is,
1: like, like why was that? Why was our first Galaxy and our second F Zero? Like I don't think know. Of the most
0: important, you think we would have started with like Mega Man or something? I think it's probably just at the time what we might have really been into and what we thought sounded cool and exciting. Um, and so for whatever reason, yeah, this is the second uh, Super Marcado Brothers album that we put out. This is Zero G. Let's take a listen to a fully collaborative track. This is called Serene. And this was a piece of music that we actually both composed parts yeah. of it together. So this is Serene. So I have a lot of good memories of making this track in what was my old bedroom in our in the home that we grew up in, um, and I also have a lot of good memories of of the first Meg Fest we went to. Marty put together a, vi- a montage video, and I remember right. he used this in that video. This is maybe one of my favorite things that we did together. Uh, this and this was a,
1: an example of a track where you had laid out the um, the skeleton inter- introduction, and then. Uh, I kind of wrote the melody on top of it. But the subsequent sections, I actually remember writing back at your apartment. Yes. Um, like the... Mm-hmm. I remember being at your keyboard and kind of figuring that out. So this was a great example of our, our collaboration. And one mm-hmm. of the first times we had worked together on the same track for like, right. a piece of video game music.
0: Absolutely. So moving along to the next uh, collaboration that we that we actually put out. This is 2014, so a year after that. Uh, we were working on this game that that never saw the light of day, um, and we had finished the soundtrack for it, and we were so excited about it and so sad that uh, the game never saw the light of day. So we just put the album out. It's We called it Soaring Through the Stars, and we're going to play one little taste from that that kind of shows our collaboration. This is the main menu theme, and it's another example of we each contribute a different facets of this piece. Um, and so it really is a perfect 50-50 split of yeah, Will and completely. Carl. Let's take a listen to the main menu. main menu from Soaring Through the Stars and this was really fun. I basically put together the groove and uh, did the drums and the bass and really everything but the melody. Everything but that 8-bit melody. And it was was cool because I already liked it. I was like, you know, this could work as is. It doesn't have a melody, but it feels good. But I also left space for Will to stretch out with that melody. And his melody was so perfect. It filled in the gaps in the perfect way and it really just elevated what was there. Well, and the fun thing about it is, not only did we divide
1: conceptual roles of melody mm. versus chords or something like that, but you created a finished mm-hmm. recording, yeah. a, almost like a karaoke version, and I hadn't written anything yet. Yeah. And so not only then did I write something, but I also sequenced it in Tracker. So right. I had to work through this, you know, very narrow channel of, I only have the, the channels on the NES, so like yeah. that, bah, bam, 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 bam. I, I was doing stuff to get delay on the NES So what's Mm -hmm. cool about the project is you get the sound of like 8-bit... Limitations and th- those kind of techniques, but then you also get, you know, this more full production. And I think it was a cool sound that, like, the melody is this authentic chip stuff, but yet you have I kind love of the like sound an arcade of this album. drums. And I just, in terms of the collaboration, it was really a great challenge to try to write a melody on top of a, a thing that's already been written and have it feel good, yeah, not this, just like this it's is responding still, to something. I mean,
0: this album is still one of my favorite collaborations we've done. I just I I agree, love the yeah. sound. I, I had so such a great time working on it with you Uh, let's play another example Uh, this is the same year uh, later on in 2014, uh, I think late summer, we put out Mega Buster, which was our third homage album. This is a, another full-length album, and we actually had the idea, you know, we should bring Marty into the mix as well. So Marty composed one track, and he also collaborated with Will on a, a different track. Will and myself collaborated on this track. This is Gust Man, and basically I wrote the first A section, which is very heavily modeled after Airman, um, and if you I might expect... The, like, you wrote the intro, we'll call mm-hmm. it, and then I wrote kind of like the A melody, and then we wrote the B section together. Absolutely. Let's check out a little bit of Gust Man from Megabuster. <laughs> last Man uh, from Megabuster. So this was an example of Will and myself collaborating on one track. So I had that part that was that harmonized, chromatic, airman-esque theme. And then it was really cool to see you went in a totally different direction with it. But I, th- I really thought that it, it, you know, fit like a glove. I think most people listening to it would never expect that it was these d- distinct parts that were put together. Yeah, it, what was fun about Megabuster is, I don't know, it, it was like, well, the
1: first project that we worked on where... I just felt like I was soaring. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of adopting that harmonic style of Takashi Tateishi Minami yeah. Matsumai. It felt so natural.
0: And, like, I I, I just kept writing things like yeah, that. It I was, was so definitely, inspired by it. It was clear, to I think, to us working on it that we had, like, substantially outdone our first experiment with yeah. Cosmic. I mean, Mega Buster really felt like more confident and uh, comfortable well, and, and fresh. to be able to do it legit you know i mean tracking it all
1: on family tracker and having it play back it sounds like the real thing there's no yeah. there's no part of this that like is, that's the fun thing about chip music is as long as the composition is solid and you're mm-hmm. really thoughtful about the part writing You can create something that sounds every
0: bit as good as the music you grew up with for sure So uh, we're gonna play one more example of our collaboration and kind of bring this uh, little conversation to a close uh, One of the soundtracks that we had co- that we had worked on together uh, It's called asker and this game Still has not been released, uh, and we're not sure the future of this game. But in any case, we had a wonderful time working on the soundtrack, Uh, spent a lot of time on and off. You know, we would take a month working on it, you know, have a break of a few months, come back. Uh, This is a piece of music we wrote together called Mm -hmm. Atlantis Stage from Asker. you guys are listening to asker this is a cool example i think similar to a lot of the stuff i wrote that intro that riff uh, and then will uh went on to write the main melody which comes next so right and then we were great kind of implementing of it uh so th- this is like again more of what i'm talking
1: about is like as we got older um we used to do it's like you would lay the foundations of the chords and i would write the melody on top of it but yeah. as we went like as I was in college, and sometimes we were remote with stuff, it started to become more of like I would have the idea of like the skeleton of a song, and then you would flesh it out with the right. implementation and everything. Mm-hmm. We've done things where you write an A section, I write a B section. We've done things where uh, you'll write the chords and I'll write the melody. We've d- we've done the opposite on yeah. that. Um, last year we wrote that track where I came up actually with the groove and the chords, mm-hmm. and you wrote the melody. Yeah. Which what I was so proud of is. I felt like anybody listening, and we said, one of us wrote the melody, one of us wrote the chords, they probably would have assumed it was the other way around, because I was really trying to write a groove that I thought you would like, and I got the sense when you were writing the melody that you were kind of trying to write a melody that I would like. Yeah,
0: so we hope you guys enjoyed that little retrospective of our collaboration, kind of a history of us collaborating, and it's just been getting honestly more and more fun as as we uh go on throughout the year so i really well, I'm look glad forward we're not, to where we're gonna go we're not done you know yeah. we, we're still working on i mean we just mm-hmm. released that
1: Occultus. So and yeah. we still have hero of legend well, volume have, two yeah we have a on. lot
0: of other exciting things uh that we're collaborating on now we have the live band we've been doing you know panels for the last i don't know how many years at various and, cons and this podcast i think the reason
1: we wanted to focus on the music is because it's actually a nice little recorded document where yeah. we're not going to like play episodes of a podcast right. and talk about it that's too kind of but I don't it know, has been interesting
0: meta. Our our collaboration over the years has definitely strengthened and it's gotten to a point where we I think now we really know, uh, in, in a deep and, um, intuitive level, the strengths that both of us have. And I really do think that we try to play to those strengths when we collaborate as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, we had a little bit more disagreement on making things really balanced. And, you know, if I do this, you need to do that. But now it's just, we try to like, I think
1: that was also before we were actually working on games. Mm -hmm. You know, once you actually have a deadline, it's just kind of like, yeah, man, whatever. Like when we were working on the cultists, Mm -hmm. it was, it was almost arbitrary in a sense. It's like, do you want to do the death jingle? It's like, uh, I have to de-. like it was just kind of like, what do you have time for? Exactly. You know? And we both have so many outlets for creative fulfillment. We're not like trying to seek our sense of identity from what we're working on. But anymore.
0: a big part of that is that we trust each other and we know that if Will does the jingle or I do the jingle, that it's gonna work out, you yeah. know. And so so that's been really great. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed that that retrospective. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna play one one more piece of classic video game music that we love. Let's play a track from Shining Force 2. Composed by Motowaki Takanochi for the Genesis. Let's take a listen to Lively Town. so classic. Yeah, when I think about Shining Force 2, one of I think both of our favorite Genesis soundtracks on that we've discovered on the whole podcast. We're both big fans of Takenuchi. Uh Okay, cool. So let's go right. Let's dive right into some listener questions. Dude, now. we got to do. And sorry to interrupt, but we got to do more revisited episodes because there are I would a lot love of great soundtracks course. that
1: we did early on in the podcast that we don't play anymore. And I yeah. would love
0: to kind of revisit some of these series. Yeah, this is maybe this is see amazing. what we
1: missed and let's stuff.
0: Let's answer answer some listener questions. The first question we got. Um, is from Brandon And his question is uh, he, he congratulates us and then he says I have a good what if for you uh, What if Koji Kondo and John Williams switch jobs For one project Which Nintendo soundtrack, past, present or future Would you like to hear John score In which Hollywood film would you like to hear Koji score Very okay. interesting So
1: I've thought about this I would want <laughs> clearly John Williams to do The Legend of Zelda Because mm. I think he would Listen to Kondo's music and do some nods to all of the themes and light motifs that are already in that series. Okay. I also think just even if he wrote all new melodies, that kind of very heroic, it. you know, old fashioned thing is something, you know, a really modal, epic orchestral sound is something I'd love to get and more of that from John one Williams. One of the big
0: influences. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think that would be kind of a cool, neat coming full circle. And I'd love to get like a cool John Williams orchestral arrangement of the Zelda theme for Kondo, uh, in terms of like a a movie I would like to see him do, um, I would love to see him do like a Pixar film because of, of modern movies, those are the ones that seem to have place for really beautiful, simple, and memorable melodic music. And uh, yeah. they almost all Pixar movies seem to have this—I don't want to say formula—but they have a moment, a cry moment, where everyone, you know, has to wipe away a tear, and music is yeah. always a central part to that. Whether it's like a song in Coco or in, Inside point. Out, there's that beautiful theme by Michael Giacchino, and Up, there's always a musical thing. Even I think of uh, uh, Randy Newman at that that moment in Monsters Inc. You know, where she's like Kitty, and he well, plays you know, that beautiful be,
0: violin thing. Would be the best is if. People Pixar this would never happen but if Pixar made a Mario movie yeah I mean I'd <laughs> Kochi love to have Koji Kondo that. get to write music for a, a children's film I mean those are great like answers that. I mean I guess another thing that I could that I would enjoy seeing um, John Williams score would be maybe an RPG something like Shining Force like a really oh, kind sure. of heroic RPG score for like the Genesis or the Super Nintendo just to hear his music on that um, how he would have faced those limitations yeah that nostalgic been been and charming uh, era that would be really cool to kind cool. of get
1: his really advanced harmonic language on like an NES
0: yeah for me when, when I think of Koji I just I would love to see a Zelda movie or a Mario movie with with his music in it so even for if me, he was just writing new themes you exactly know? really good question. Let's move on to another question. This one comes to us from Josh. His question is, um, what do you mean when you say a song or a composer is earnest? I understand the definition of earnest, but I'm just wondering the type of cues you would pick up to, to quantify a composer being earnest. So I, I think this is
1: one more on me because I tend to use that word a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think... You raise a good point that part of it might be projecting. Obviously, I can't assume someone's emotional intent when they're writing a piece of music. But I guess what I mean by earnest uh, is done with sincerity and maybe almost like a, a sense of innocence and genuine engagement with the source material. And I think more there are specific musical harmonic and melodic affectations that a composer can adopt that keeps it at an arm's length. So for instance, I would say a composer like Grant Kirkhope, though I love him, he's not always writing earnestly. Like if you compare the sound of Banjo-Kazooie to the sound of Mario, Banjo-Kazooie is intentionally sounding campy and goofy like cartoon music. So it's not necessarily earnest. It's it's comedic. It's tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. Where like Mario is earnest. Whether you think it's goofy or campy, when Koji Kondo's writing something, he's taking the emotions seriously and he's trying to write something cool. So it's not necessarily about the music sounds earnest and the music doesn't sound earnest. It's more about A one-to-one sense of like how earnest do I imagine the composer is treating the emotional material it is
0: worth mentioning that it's it's your imagining of that you're not positive exactly yeah
1: different people have different interpretations but I think also there there are certain types of another way that we might use it is there are certain types of music that have like a wistful wide-eyed sound just harmonically maybe something that's really sweet or uses the Lydian mode or something Mm -hmm. that almost sounds earnest um innately like the the music the rhythms yeah. the, the melodic style it can be so. confusing
0: for sure quickly has another follow-up question asking should he expect another 350 episodes of the show that seems pretty crazy i'm not i don't know about that i mean 350 has been a long time it's hard to imagine doing a whole other 350 i'm not sure where we are on the I think a lot of that depends on our
1: our lives and whether, I mean, we've already shown that we've been able to do the podcast remotely. I think it will be about as long as we keep growing and feel like we're getting fulfillment. Something that I've been really surprised at is we've been getting some comments from people saying that like, I think this season is maybe your best yet. And that really surprises me because somewhere in the back of my mind, I kind of feel like we were working so much harder earlier on. And so I wonder, like, is the quality of our content dipping? But I think almost we have more experience doing it. So it's interesting. I don't want to stop for no reason, but I also don't want to, I really don't want us to be doing this, you know, in our 40s and 50s. It's not going to be
0: forever, absolutely, but it's not going to be an arbitrary stop. I think there'll be a good reason where, okay, this point in our life, We have xyz and so it makes sense for us to stop here so yeah Yeah, i also like we're so grateful for the fact that people
1: want to listen to us i consider it an incredible privilege and we
0: just love the community of all of you guys whether we meet you in real life or chat with you on discord it's it's really been the gateway to
1: some of the highlights of my life i mean the collaborations we've done together getting to meet and talk to all of these incredible composers all the friends we've met from this i mean
0: it's just my life would be entirely different so let's do do rapid fire for three more quick questions here uh chill physics uh asks when is ace combat Ep happening kind of maybe a joke at some point at some point uh what non-vgm have you guys been listening to recently i've been really immersing myself in the new wolf peck lp mountain mm. climber which is absolutely fantastic if anyone is a fan of music <laughs> you should listen to it um i've also been really getting into this jazz trio from the uk called uh Go, Go penguin Really cool stuff. What about yourself? Uh, This is kind of interesting. Carl, do you know this guy Daniel
1: Caesar? No. Um, Do you know the uh, pop artist Her?
0: H-E-R? I think so.
1: Well, they collaborated on this song that you would absolutely love. It's very kind of sexy, kind of a slow jam, has Hmm. really cool chords, a great melody. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll recommend it to you. But Emma has been really getting me into to that lately
0: very cool all right uh, Luigi asks what DAWs and virtual instruments do you guys use uh, I asked us about chip music but I'd be interested in, uh, in your orchestral music Sibelius sounds nor performer just don't cut it uh, also wondering about uh, the plugins. Uh, um, so, yeah, we use Reaper as our DAW, so that's kind of the home base. Will, when he's um, composing more orchestral music or music that needs notation, uh, he, he uses Sibelius for that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as virtual instruments, uh, Will, There's I mean, lots of stuff. so we, much. we
1: like the um, Ruby Spectronics Trillion for bass. digital, or sorry, electric and upright bass samples. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Cine samples. Library Mm -hmm. of virtual instruments, the East West Symphonic Library, Hollywood Strings, Hollywood Brass. Um let's see what else. Uh, uh for basic like electric piano stuff, Lounge Lizard, it's a go to. Um a kind of classic for us is this program, this free plugin called Epic Verb. Um it's a obviously there are reverb. much better reverbs, but for free ones it's it's really nice. A lot of control there. Yeah, I mean um, uh, a, lot t- uh, synth, a lot of What uh, about synths we use synth
0: we use VStation quite a bit, WaveStation. Yeah. Um I mean obviously if it's chip stuff, I FM Drive is a great Genesis oh, sure. plugin. Uh the S- C700. When I was doing um, for oh, Nintendo. c700 absolutely uh what's
1: the yeah fm drive is great what the um the when I was working on Child of the Chozo, I Wave used Station. a lot of interesting... Yeah, I used uh, WaveStation, but I also used this Korg Legacy cell, which has all kinds of weird atmospheric A lot of Korg sounds. stuff, yeah. And I also used this Moog synthesizer plug-in that was like a direct replicator. Like You had to plug wires into it, so I actually had to read up about a Moog right. synthesizer.
0: Yeah, for drums, uh, definitely, every so often, Superior Drummer, Addictive Drums, oh, those, yeah, those yeah, are yeah. useful. I do a lot of stuff with like custom samples, because I have yeah. like samples that I've recorded from my drums and and various different things. Oh, like the, that. what about some of those uh, amp modeling? GTR is a popular plugins. one. Um, there's there's a lot of waves uh, plugins that, that I like. We use. Sometimes using that uh, Camel Crusher distortion. That's a great. Sometimes one.
1: I'll even use that on orchestral music and kind yeah. of um, have a I separate all the time. A separate pass to add a little bit of kind of bite to like the brass, and then obviously turn the faders. Yeah, down we on that. we
0: have had a friend and collaborator uh, Adam Tucker who showed me that plugin years ago, and I still use it on drums. Like even if I just dial it in like 11 or 12 percent wetness, it really oh, adds the a lot isotope, of zone uh mastering suite that's that's we used to use nice. that a lot more back uh, in the day elephant
1: uh by voxengo it's a, great is a good uh, limiter, limiter yeah
0: okay uh last question here from Pooplo Z. what are some recent trends in vgm that you'd like to see changed what are some trends you'd like to see embraced in the next year honestly i i, I just being full uh disclosure i
1: I'm not as versed in the contemporary game music scene as I should be because I don't play a lot of modern games. So I don't really want to like make a point because I might be a little bit out of date. But I've honestly been so impressed in the last few years. It just I like the diversity. I like that you can have... Uh, this huge market for indie games and mobile games and a huge AAA market. There's so much clever and excellent video game music being written in all sources. The best uh, video game soundtrack that I've encountered in uh, recent years is for the new Spider-Man game. Mm. Holy crap. It's amazing. It's like this incredibly melodic, really rousing orchestral score, but it's not even just how excellent the music is it's how it works in the game in the um kind of mechanics under the hood of how things transition. It's like I've heard that kind of thing with more atmospheric music, but to have something that melodic and kind of contrapuntal, old right. fashioned, be done in a live gameplay space. So that is could be something amazing. you'd like to, we'd like to hear more. That got me so of. excited. I want every game to sound like that. That's, That's really, really cool.
0: I love. All right. So we don't want to go too long. Let's dive right into the name that tune. Uh, so this is going to be fun because I prepared a few, Will prepared a few. And so this will be really interesting. Okay. I've never been on the receiving end of I'm, this. Cracking
1: my knuckles. Okay, I'm, ready, I'm man.
0: gonna start off. Uh, this is the first one I prepared. Are you ready for the first hint? Yes. Here we go.
1: Oh, I feel like I know this. Okay. Hmm. I can't think of what it's from, um. But I'm sure once I hear one of the squares, it will. Do you know the system? The game. Uh, it's uh, NES. Okay,
0: good. Right, here's number two.
1: Oh, that's freaking great! It is great. Oh, I-, I feel like it's a Tim Fallen kind of thing. Play another, another hint. Yeah, here's another hint. Yeah, definitely a Western composer. Negative. It's not a Western composer. It is not a Western composer. Okay. Hmm. Is it a
0: chip tune artist? Nope. Hmm. I have one more He's hint. These aren't official guesses. So I have one have more to... hint for you. Okay. Here we go. This is the last hint. Oh, I <laughs> thought that would give it away. I thought that would give it away. That was How? the
1: harmony and the bass. Why, why was that bass line so familiar to me, but now <laughs> I'm not
0: like, placing it. You ready for the full track? Yeah. Here we go.
1: Oh yeah, classic. Do you know this? Uh, t- the thing is, there are so many things that this kind of thing could be.
0: I'll from... give you the composer, Tomoya Tamita.
1: Oh,
0: did he? He didn't work at Sunsoft, I don't believe. Nope. Do you know? Remember where he worked? he worked at konami
1: konami yeah i mean it sounds like konami with the dpcm i don't think i've ever completely not guessed wow. anything um i need a guess i'm gonna give you 10 seconds and i need a guess i guess Tamoya Tamita. i guess a
0: konami nes game <laughs> um i don't know man ninja turtles 3 manhattan project oh tmnt tmnt oh, got it okay stage one all right this is very Sorry, scary that, that no tough. no worries i'm probably gonna miss them too no
1: mine are so easy like i did not do anything that level of i'm scared of scare. i'm scared I, I only picked things that you but know now you like. said that so now if i don't get it i'm gonna be extra embarrassed okay <sighs> so this is my first track and first clue all right you'll get it right away i'm sure
0: Something I'm thinking of. I feel
1: like you could probably start singing the, the track. Like, as I give you the clues, you'll know the piece of music probably before For you know For some reason, name. the first
0: thing I'm thinking of is that kind of Rocky-esque montage from um, Punch-Out. Punch Out. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's it. But that's where my brain went. Well, why don't you listen Dancing, to the next one? Dancing okay.
1: So, you know, it's got mm. sample drums. Sample
0: drums. Interesting sound of the drums. Let me go back to the clue one. Okay. What is that? I think your composer brain is turning on, and now you're creating something. uh, This is Castlevania.
1: It is not Castlevania. Why don't I give you a third clue? Let's see.
0: horror-esque though it's not castlevania yeah let's give another clue for some reason i'm not getting this
1: hmm do you want to listen to the full track
0: uh it'd be nice if i could get it before that because you made it sound like it's it's really okay so no it's not
1: it's not like castlevania easy i just Hmm. it's all of this is stuff we've played on the podcast you know game it is not a sunsoft game Hmm. okay i i misled you this first one it, this first one is easy i thought because the clues give away so much of the ah, melody in the song i see but it's not necessarily easy in terms of uh like what it is it is probably more on the obscure side but i know it's this is something japanese. that you like that we've talked about it's definitely japanese right. L- why don't we listen to the full
0: track okay full you'll, track. you'll get it i'm sure. not nearly as familiar as i was expecting um i've heard it is this shatterhand uh it's not is it bad dudes no but you
1: were so on the right track with with uh shatterhand it's that kind of like it's something i brought in on a show and tell Mm. we've talked about this before
0: yeah i'm not sure i've heard it maybe once uh What's something else you brought in? Uh, it's not something I was familiar before that. I don't think. Um, not bad, dudes. Um, is it? Uh, it's not like Air
1: Fortress. Can, no, 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 no. Can you can you try to guess a composer? You were what, Something about it made you think of a series that. Uh, this composer has done is it ikumi zutani no you've mentioned a, one of the, your earlier guesses was uh, that Kinoyo it was, yamashita yes it is kinyo yamashita mm, what game yeah i don't know
0: i don't think i can it's, get this other one. than
1: castlevania it's probably one of her more popular nes
0: titles um is this uh i think didn't she do like king kong no or something yeah i don't know i, I can't okay, get this it's power blade Hmm. Yeah, not very familiar with that, unfortunately. Really, power blade. i surprised about this because this. Track I think seems that's something so you're more familiar with. Well, I well we both missed the boat on those. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready for number two? Yeah. Here's clue number one. I will say you I, might I can get the progression. You might get mad at me <laughs> on this one. Is it really hard? i don't think it is for you i mean in general maybe but i don't think it is for you uh do you want to hear that again or it, the sounds game boy. That's it sounds game boy that's correct it sounds game boy it
1: almost sounds like a, um uh, uh uh like something from like mario land 2 or uh some kind of um oh is it that for whom the frog bell tolls or do something? you want to hear the second clue yeah yeah, yeah.
0: So the genre, what is that baseline? Funky, catchy. Funky, catchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep going. Oh, have we played this before? Many times. I would consider it a classic, but not a lot of people would. (laughs) Okay, so it's a Game Boy title. Game Boy title. You absolutely adore this track. Do you want the fourth clue? Yeah, man. Man, that's freaking
1: cool. Uh, uh, see, so it'll be one of those things I'll recognize it when you play the track, and I won't know the composer or what it's from. Here's the track. You ready? Oh, wait, no, I can hear it in my head. I can hear it in my head, but I don't know who wrote it.
0: Shoot. You won't know who wrote it, but here's the track. God, I freaking love this song. Wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I remember. I remember what episode this was on. This was on that. We we looked at that 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 company that like. This was on an episode where we were talking about like a, a company like a game company that wasn't mm-hmm. as popular. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What were they called? It's not like Ultra or uh, Atlas or. Nope. Some it was some company. I can't I'll give you the, the company. Data East. Data East. East. It was episode. on the Data East episode. The
0: composer is Yusuke Takahama.
1: I'm not gonna get that. And the game is some Japanese title. Nope, it's
0: not. It is Side... Side pocket, GB. GB, side pocket GB. Uh. Okay. All right. Man. Okay, that's, that is, was hard, man. It was hard. It was hard.
1: Okay. But I, I will say I did hear in my head. Dun, 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 dun. That's good. I, I, I knew the track, but I didn't. Okay. I'm very scared for number two. Number two, I think is probably the easiest one.
0: Well, I didn't get the first one, so that doesn't no, mean but much. Number two is the all easiest
1: right. one for you. Like you, Carl, you definitely know this. <laughs> What's well, the pressure on even more? Okay. It. Clue number one. All right.
0: you know that song (laughs) this is really dumb but my first thing goes to like stone protectors like steve duckworth i don't know why i don't even know what that yeah Um, i'm also thinking of like power rangers for some reason i was considering slap bass swung rock i think it's more famous than that yeah Uh, why don't i give you another clue i think this is rudra no why don't we listen to another clue okay let's listen to another clue I think it's a battle from either rudra Nohiho or maybe like is it lufia i think it's a battle from rudra let, let me can i do clue number three yeah yeah keep listening as many as you want yeah this is rudra final answer rudra no Hiho. yeah what's is it the ba- name of the track battle on the mountain no um you'll you'll get it it's a classic get get one four. that we've played um
1: heart uh we'll play the melody and i think it'll come to you Oh, this is um, King of the...
0: uh, uh, So first, give me the composer. The composer is Ryuji Sasai. Yeah. Ryuji Norhiho, Super Famicom. Uh, What is it like? Crime of the Heart. It's the name of another SNES game. Earthbound. Yes. Ah earthbound okay Rude, Rune, o, he, i very knew you'd cool. get that very wow cool. i was
1: surprised you got that right from the bass i thought i would at least need to <laughs> when that flute came in then you would get it that is very that was a great one okay well are you ready i f- like it because when i think of rudra no that's not the first sound that pops to my For head sure. but it's such a classic track and i was gonna withhold the
0: string melody because that wow.
1: melody and the string sounds uh-huh. more like rudra no very than cool the other parts. all right
0: i feel good about that all right let's move on to number three are you ready yeah here we go clue number one So it's
1: a Genesis Correct. thing. Uh, let's keep going. Another
0: clue. Clue number two.
1: Has almost like an Asiatic sound to mm. me, like a pentatonic y sound just on those two parts. Mm. Um, yeah, in a way. Yeah, in a way. There's still a little bit of that. Number three. Oh, is this the David Wise game? No, he didn't work on the Genesis. Yeah, keep keep giving me more. Number four. Oh, it's from a racing game, isn't no. it? No. No, it's not from a racing game. Okay. I have an extra hint See, for you. See, why do you got to
0: give me Genesis? I don't know Genesis. You know. I'm a Nintendo you know, guy. You know, you know. The last hint, I gave you an extra hint. Here we go. That's the giveaway, man that's the giveaway you always pick these like sega composers that i no
1: not at all i thought this would be the giveaway oh is this street fighter it's street fighter 2 it's m bison's stage there composed goes by Yoko the Shino dynamite Moore. folks these little oh. inner voices dude it's so crazy how i didn't get that out of context. Well, That's these, amazing. Well, these
0: inner voices, you know, they're they're definitely not as iconic. That bell, you know, I I, I should
1: have gotten it at the bell. Again, yeah. though, it's like I didn't grow up playing the Genesis versions of this game. So I know right. Bison Stage has a bell, but I don't, like, hear that timbre Interesting. And think. Because there's bells in all kinds of games. I did get it, though. You did get it. Good. So we both got the, the most recent. Okay. Now for it. my last one. This one
0: is very hard
1: no it shouldn't be that hard all right i know i know you like this all right all right we yeah
0: okay clue number one yeah is this game boy it is game boy I'm thinking Kirby right right off the bat. I'm let's thinking let's Kirby. give you another clue. Uh, okay, number two. Interesting bass progression. Interesting. Now you're hearing the chords and you're like, "Ooh, that's yeah, not Kirby." Yeah, not what I expected. Uh, okay, I guess we'll do number three then. listen to this chord here who does that make you
1: think of are you starting to get more of a sense of maybe Hmm. someone with a little bit of spicier chords yeah i'm not sure yet okay i'll give you the melody okay
0: oh What is this from? It's not Sugiyama. It is not. It's too funky for him. Do you want to listen to the full track? Let's listen to the full track. Okay,
1: I'll give you a hint. It's not... It's Game Boy Color. Not Game 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 Boy Boy Color.
0: I've heard it before. You (laughs) have. Um... This is Jay Kaufman. It
1: is Jay This Kaufman. is Shantae. Yes, it is Shantae. Oh
0: my gosh. Because I, I swear it was Japanese at first. Right. Wow, this is a tricky, tricky one. You What's are. What's the name of the track? Um, it's something with like love. Magic Carpet Ride. That's okay.
1: Welcome to Watertown. Welcome to Watertown. From- oh Shantae. gosh. I'm surprised I got that eventually. That... yeah. See, I knew if I played the full track once it got into the arpeggiator, you'd be like, "Interesting oh, it's choice. Be a Western guy."
0: Interesting choice. All right, last one for you. Last okay. one to the name of that tune. Here we go. Sounds like
1: Metroid. That kind of bass, I know that bass sound is in Super Metroid, but I'm sure it's in lots of other games too. So you know it's Super Nintendo. Okay, here's number two. Okay, now I'm thinking like a Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy. Number three. Because um, they all use the same. Mm-blum-blum. Mm-blum-blum. Yeah, I need more. Okay. Oh, it might be a dragon quest. It could be a dragon quest, like a Sugiyama thing. Hmm. Final hint. Here we go. definitely sugiyama it is not it's not i thought this was the giveaway this
0: piano sample to me is a giveaway do you want the full track (sighs) yeah i need the full track here we go
1: beautiful it's very tchaikovskyan it
0: is beautiful. Do you know what it is? Dude, I got to tell you. I don't recognize this at all. This is Breath of Fire. Ah, Breath I was going to say
1: it's probably um, I was yeah, going to either guess that or
0: secret of something. The name something. of the track is Ocean Town Primo from Breath of Fire. I thought the piano cuz when I think of Breath of Fire, I think of that piano. Yeah, I don't sample. really know the Breath of Fire score. Well, very we did well. an app on it, so You should know it. I must have been drunk or something. That was surprisingly hard, I think, for both of us. Don't do things I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you did know that, though. Um, Well, that was fun. I really enjoy being on the other end of that. So we should yeah. do that every single time. That's a lot of fun. Okay, so now what we're going to do, we are kind of going over our time. So let's maybe try to keep this brief. But we did think it would be fun to have a little head-to-head debate on an interesting topic. One thing that we don't get to explore a lot in the podcast is when we disagree on things. Mm-hmm. Because most of the times we see eye to eye. Now well, we disagree a lot, but it's usually
1: not on like music related things. It's just like yeah, in so life. one thing we wanted to do is for these little topics we don't fully disagree. Yeah, we're more having an, a debate. Like if any if I'm anyone's ever a taken yeah a debate course yeah. or a philosophy. You're classes, taking a sometimes stance. you in order to really explore the weight of ideas, you kind of argue them out to their logical conclusion. So I think we're both taking a position here mm-hmm. in this position. I think is somewhat reflective of our actual positions, but brought to their extreme so that we can put them head to head. And I think the idea is hopefully we can learn something from each of us making a case. So the the debate here is between what is the more sublime and important element of music, the groove or the melody? Carl wow. is taking the position of that the groove is more important, and I'm taking the position
0: that a melody is more important. Carl, why don't you start off sure. with this? So I guess one reason why I would at least today argue that the groove is more important if I had to pick one is because groove is part of a good melody in a way like a good melody is about interesting rhythms and interesting note choices. If you don't have interesting rhythms, then your melody is just it falls flat. Uh, so groove is everything to do with how the rhythms feel how everything is interlocking um, it's such a primal element of music before there were melodies composed there were grooves there were drums there were simple beats and so a groove I think is something that every single human on earth can can feel and can relate to and really feel it inside their their body It's it's a very primal energy the groove so I would say that if I had to pick one the groove would be more important. Um, now you can have music that's great with just a groove. You don't need a melody. Think of like Wolfpack. You know their whole thing, at least back when their first few albums, they didn't have any melodies at all. It was just grooves, and you didn't really notice that because you were so entertained and you were so feeling the pocket and feeling how good that that feels. All those musicians, kind of you know, in the zone together. So. Uh, That's another thing that I think of, is that you don't always need a melody to make music really good. I do think melody is is incredibly important, and it usually tends to be something we gravitate towards a lot in our music and the music that we appreciate. But to me, if you don't have groove, uh, it's almost like a world without groove is not a world I want to live in. It makes music more interesting and it really kind of pulls you in to the music and enforces and, and you to have some sort of response to it. Like when I hear something with a good groove, I can't help but move and have this sort of reaction to it, which is not the same reaction that I have to a great melody. Uh, a great melody might elicit more of an emotional reaction. Whereas I think a groove elicits a physical response in the same way that um, if someone hits you on the head, you're going to physically react to that. It's not going to be, oh, that was interesting that that you hit me on the head there. So for me, it's more of a physical thing. Uh, So I guess for those reasons, I would argue groove if I had to pick I would say might be more important, but the thing is, I'm just taking that stance. I don't know if I fully believe that.
1: Not, not a great way to end your argument, saying that you don't believe in it. But <laughs> I'm just taking the stance. No, I, I thought you made, you brought up some really good points. I think uh, here's what I would say: is I think melody, even though as you explored groove is the epitome of the physical, the physiological in music. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that melody is equally as innate, and it has to do with our voice and language, and the, the idea of a monophonic channel that we can only sing unless you're doing some kind of weird, you know, throat singing, you can only sing one note at a time. I think our ears are specifically tuned to the way that we encounter any kind of tonal music at all is through kind of one note at a time and the way that we stack them together and I think melody is the thing that gives music its individual character where to me I would argue groove is almost like a shared character you can't always copyright a groove I mean some people will create really unique grooves that no one else has done before but you don't really have a singular piece of music if you just have a groove because you could point to hundreds of pieces of music that share the same groove Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't say that they're the same song melody is i mean even legally this is uh there have been some kind of fringe cases that have been argued about arrangement and things but melody is the deciding factor and mm-hmm. it's the sacrosanct aspect of music and is the thing that you mentioned carl it is the emotional core of it and i think so much of us, the reason why we engage with music as an art form is the emotional core of it the melody that i want to use to illustrate this is uh, the, one of the first things that ever really brought me to tears when I was really young, the melody from uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's so great about that melody is it outlines and implies its chord progression without being dictated by it. It's so clearly a tune, it's so beautifully spun, it's simple and singable, it's deeply evocative and passionate um but hmm. it isn't just a simple device a great melody stands on its own where like sometimes you hear lazily composed melodies that just mm-hmm. they're more or less outlining the progression they're very Kind of like, I've talked about this before, easy to write versus easy to listen to. Sure. Where to me, when a melody is truly sublime, and not all music is created equal, there's some pieces of music where the most engaging part is the groove, but I think in music where the most engaging part is the melody and the melody is truly Exceptional. I think those are the pieces of music that historically have stood with us as sort of the test of time, especially Hmm. in like the Western classical tradition, because there's lots of Western classical music that you wouldn't necessarily describe as having a quote unquote groove, at least not not in like the the African sense. Not at all. Um, But they can still have a tremendous amount of rhythmic and melodic interest. I mean, I just saw the Nutcracker Ballet, and that's something that's like a prime example of being filled to the brim with all these incredibly memorable and iconic. Tunes. Now, that was written, you know, in the mid to late 1800s. And the fact that that's still around with us and all those melodies are still known, I don't think it's just a cultural reason. I think those, there's something universal about that. And the purity of something like, you know, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, it's so melodically driven. And mm-hmm. not all classical composers adopt that sort of philosophy or that ethos. Uh, but I do think when you look at I think over the span of time at what music we hold on to, kind of culturally and historically, I think there's a, a huge skew towards things with iconic melodic identification because that's in our minds, I think, how we hold music. With Wagner, people are always going to talk about ba 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 Now, they might mention, you know, like the prelude to some opera or they'll talk about other important works of his in a history book. But in terms of what people know, it's the melody. With Rimsky-Korsakov, you know, it's Flight of the Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. You know, but people remember the William Tell overture you know melody is such a transcendent part of us and that's why it's like why is the most popular video game music Koji Kondo is it just because Mario and Zelda are popular mm-hmm. or is Mario and Zelda popular because it's populated by these incredibly catchy and iconic melodies
0: I really think that melody is yeah, kind I of think like one thing that's tricky with this debate is what what is the real question though is the question what's more important or is the question what is more culturally held up over time and I don't think we I would think argue that, there's that. A, that's a good Point. that melody is is more culturally held up but i would argue that as far as is having a universal response i do think groove is more universal than melodies i think there's a lot of people that don't have the same emotional response to a melody that you do but if you play them a specific piece of music that has an undeniable groove they will respond I to think, that though that part of that is cultural i mean in lots of
1: Parts of the world and times of the world. I mean, there is a reason why there weren't grooves in classical music. I think if you played kind of groove-based music to some of those composers, they
0: wouldn't have responded in the same way. Sure, but Uh, it's also just a different. It's a totally different thing that you get. There's a lot of people in the world that have no interest in listening to music of the classical tradition. I guess I would say because it doesn't. It doesn't give them what they're looking for in music. Sure,
1: but there. That also to say that groove is more universal than melody. I mean, I I think melody exists in almost all music, um,
0: or melodic elements, you know, tonal monophonic elements. Um, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't exist in all music. There's plenty of music that is that is groove based. That yeah. melody doesn't have. But I think a focus there's more. On...
1: I think there's more of a skew toward melody. If you take the collection of all music that's ever been written from a variety of cultures. Right. There's but, some that just has groove, but again, there's come, way more that well, has melody. Well, it comes melody. back
0: to the whole point of the question. Is is it about what has more influence in in the history of humanity, or is it about what we think is more of a important uh, universal aspect of music? And so if we're talking about what is more of an important universal aspect of music, to me, when I'm listening to music, the groove is the thing that I respond to right away and there's no denying it you can't hide it if it's there it's there if it's not there it's not there and i wouldn't want a world where i don't experience so when you listen to the
1: jurassic park theme there's not a groove there but it's you acknowledge that it's beautiful so how could
0: the groove be the most important aspect but it's a totally those are totally different types of music and you're getting totally different things from them if i had to pick one type of music to listen to music that only had a groove or music that only had melody i would probably go with groove because so it if you gives had to choose me... a wolf
1: song that is just groove bass with no melody or the jurassic park theme you would
0: choose the wolf pack uh, i don't know if i would do vol i mean that's a really weird comparison something i mean that's just groove based Volpec that you would is, prefer is my that. favorite band but um i yeah it, it's i don't i don't necessarily want to pick one or the other sure. i love that there that there are different aspects of music but groove and rhythm um and multiple people Working together to to kind of fill in the puzzle pieces of of something that feels really good in, yeah. in your bones. That's my favorite part of music, and that's what I respond to the most. Okay, so I think we both made a pretty good case. Before... But I'm not I'm not going to say that historically it's it's you know more held up than than melodies. Yeah, um, I, I I hear your point. Um,
1: I, I think before we we close up this debate i want to and this is a fun thing that sometimes you do in philosophy or in debate classes take a contrary position Mm -hmm. so now for a little bit i'm gonna argue for groove and i want you to make a case for melody and this is my case for groove just based on some things that i think maybe you didn't mention and the case that i would make is um I think groove is sometimes I mentioned melody being the most Identifiable characteristic but I think There are lots of instances where The groove is actually the thing That creates the uniqueness Of a piece of music Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance If we're just going to use a video game Example let's look at like Mario 64 almost every Stage theme is crafted out of that same Melody and there are harmonic and melodic Transformations to be sure right but I think the big element that Creates the uniqueness in that music, the the fundamental aspect, the way that you could tell you're playing one or another just on the piano has to do with the rhythmic difference. It has to do with the different groove or rhythmic feels. Groove, not, not just in the like strict definition of groove but like the rhythmic component of it where that same melody can exist if you look in even classical music which we've talked about as not having a groove i would still argue that the thing that you were talking about groove it's something fundamental about the rhythmic components in music that go beyond just a strict definition of what a you know syncopated groove is mm-hmm. if you look at like a theme in variations oftentimes what makes the variations interesting is how they augment or kind of distort the rhythmic components of a piece of music. For sure. And I do think that
0: you're absolutely right about the physicality of a groove. Well, it's undeniable. If you go to a live show and you hear a band play a melody on a guitar and you look in the room and see what the response is, you won't see anything. If you, okay, hear, you, if to, you you hear a band, for melody. I will if you hear a band play an amazing groove that's in the pocket you will see a response people will dance people will put their head back people will laugh there is a physical response that is not there for melody so that's I think what yeah I the I physicality
1: is one part of it and I think another part of it is that uh, on a fundamental level, rhythm which i believe is the most innate aspect it's like the exactly. most underneath everything mm-hmm. it literally is like on a uh on a acoustic level, it is the foundation of pitch and Mm -hmm. harmony um, because the way that we hear sound is by vibrations in the air, which you could also identify as vibrations per second, which are almost like rhythmic values. So so.
0: we're having a difference between what is culturally over time held up the most versus what is maybe the most innate for humans. Uh, If I were to take the other side, when we're going throughout our day, how many of us hum to ourselves? How many of us whistle? How many of us listen to a song on the radio and get something in our head? And when you get something in your head, uh, melody is the one, th- is probably the most strong element that you can't get rid of. Yeah. When you hear something on the radio and it sticks with you, you're you're singing the melody to yourself. Well, it's almost the first thing that many of us think of
1: when we talk about music. For
0: sure, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a hard... Debate because they're both so important, but they, they come from different places. I think melody culturally, and if you think about the whole history of, of human music, yes, I agree that melody is, is the strongest element over all cultures that you can, that well, you can look well, let's, at.
1: Let's look at this point. If you're talking about a song and I go, how does that go? you're going to sing me the
0: melody. You're not going to describe me the groove. Or It's the one that goes like... Eh, 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 if, eh, if it eh, is eh, a groove-based eh, eh, song, eh, eh. I absolutely will do that. But sure. here's the thing. I will use my body to do that. I won't just use my, sure. my mouth. And this is a great example of the difference, right? Melody, you're using your mouth to convey pitch. Oh, yes, I remember that tune. Uh, groove, you're using your whole body to 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 express what can't be just expressed with your mouth and that's what i think is so beautiful but is even, that they both exist but together I, what
1: i'm saying is like when they exist together when a song has a melody that's and a the groove, best most people if you ask them how does the song go they will sing you the melody if you take a michael jackson song sure okay uh what how, how
0: does how does uh thriller go well, to be, They're fair, not to be ex- fair, if Michael were to tell you that, he would be beatboxing the song, and he would but be... But he would also be singing it. Right. If you
1: asked him how it goes, he wouldn't just describe but the groove. There's.
0: If we're talking it. about Michael Jackson, there's absolutely no way that you can say melody is more important in his music than groove. It's absolutely a 50-50 split. Without the groove, without the sense of rhythm, his music just would not exist. And I think he would be the but first person that. But that's why I'm using him that.
1: as an example is because even in cases where they are 50/50 a component of what makes the song it's more if translatable someone, If someone asks, you know, how does Thriller go?
0: You sing yes. the melody. So you don't communicatively, thump the it's much more translatable. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean it's more important. It but just means that it's more that translatable. What
1: and culturally why we say that, oh, how does that go? is that that conveys the essence of a song. And same as like what's in a real book tune. If you see the way a real book tune, you have to see the melody written out, the pitches and the rhythms. But then oftentimes the groove is just described in a word. They'll just write one word that describes
0: in this feel or whatever. That's like, not true. I mean, there could be an iconic bass line. Uh, if sure. you think about uh, a jazz piece of music that has an iconic bass line, that's setting up the groove, and that might be written out as well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying that like uh, complex grooves aren't written out
1: or that like just because something's written, it's more important. But what I'm saying is I think there's this idea that a lead sheet conveys the essence of a song, that you can convey the essence of a song by writing the chords and the melody. Right. I'm not saying that... That conveys the groove, but I think in some cases in you could say the types essence of the song is. More important than the groove because you could Play a song in a samba feel Or you could do it like a calypso Well it or... depends
0: on the type of music That's really what it comes down to and getting back To the Michael Jackson example I really would argue that the melody is not the essence Of the song because the essence Of the song it is dance Music it's music that is designed to Get people to dance and if you take If you take Billie Jean and you Don't have the the constant drums With that amazing bass line and you take that Away and you just have the melody it is so there's there's almost nothing there to respond to. So, I really do think that if you take away the melody, it
1: it ceases to be like a a song in the way that it is. It doesn't
0: actually, because the first however many seconds of it when people are starting to move on the dance floor is not from the melody. I would argue that in in certain types of music, the groove is what is driving it.
1: The groove without pitch, one of the reasons why they dance is because that bass line is so melodic. We can sing that bass line in and of itself. Yeah, but it's not just dot 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 dot. It's the pitches up. But the bass line,
2: but that's the groove, man. Yeah, but
1: what if 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 the case is that the groove is more important? It should be that you should be able to change the chords, change
0: the notes of the bass line, and it would. still I disagree. I disagree. That's all part of groove. Groove has elements of pitch and has elements of harmony, rhythm, melody working all together. But I think then it's not a it's fair comparison bed. because you're essentially saying that
1: groove is melody plus all these other things and melody is just on its own, where I'm comparing... like To me, groove is like the unpitched, rhythmic, syncopated elements of a type of
0: track. I think that's not quite accurate. I think both melody and groove contain the other one when it's written. it's really good when there's a really good groove yes there's mm. melodic elements to it are you saying that every any baseline can't be considered groove because it has pitches? no i'm not saying that the but same i'm thing saying with melody if you're saying that the groove is the uh
1: more important than the melody it's almost i i, I think what you're starting to get to and what I, why i think uh just this argument needs to come to a close is because you're right. They do inherently contain the other. So you can't say groove is more
0: important than melody because you can't can't really get the effect of groove without melody. Well, another reason you can't say one is more important than the other is because it depends on the type of music. There's certain types of music where absolutely the groove is more important and people respond to that Certain people respond to that in a different way. There's other types of music where melody is more important and people respond to that in a different type of way. So you absolutely can't say one is more important than the other. They're just, they're so different and they have such different responses, I think, from people. Mm -hmm. So I think that, is there anything else that we didn't say about that? No, I feel good about that. I think we, we both made some good points.
1: And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that we'd necessarily change our position, but I think in, in subtle ways, I, I think what the point that you just made that melody is contained within groove, but then groove is contained within melody. That's an idea that I hadn't necessarily contended with that. Absolutely. So much of what makes a melody have its character, it isn't just pitches floating in
0: vacuum space. Imagine Mozart, da ba da 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 if you if you had different rhythms, it would absolutely be so boring. It'd be yeah. so boring. And so yeah, I think both of them uh, contain the other with with just what well, so so hard to, to talk about it. But hopefully we didn't we went really long. Uh, we kind <laughs> of got off the rails on that one. But no, that that's was the that's last what I thing wanted. Yeah, that's I wanted. That's the last to thing we have, had. Have that that went really well. I think. So guys, uh, let us know if you want us to do that again in the future. That was interesting. That was I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was fun for us. I hope it was fun for you guys. Let us know. Uh, we covered a lot of bases today and did a lot of interesting experiments. We hope you guys had a good time. We're going to play you out with a classic chiptune that we adore. This is Artificial Intelligence Bomb by Naruto. And we are so thankful for every single one of you for listening. Over all these years, whether you're new listener, old listener, day one, uh, day a thousand, uh, we're just so grateful for all of you. We love the community. Come to MAGFest. Uh, MAGFest is coming up very, very close, very, very quickly. We're going to be performing and doing multiple panels. I think we should get out of here. This episode's going way long. Anything else you got, Will? Uh, that's it. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thanks a lot for everything
1: you do, Carl. This is Back at you. We love you guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. My name is Carl Brugeman. And I'm Will Brugeman. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.